usually our greatest desire is also met by our greatest fear. So even though we say we want a partner for life or we want to go deeper into intimacy than what we've experienced before, it has to be met by some kind of resistance or some kind of fear that is blocking it because otherwise the desire and achieving it, attaining it, wouldn't be as valuable or as satisfying. A belief is nothing more than a repeated thought. In general, in the world, you know, it's like the masculine traits of power and strength are so much more recognized. And so when there's that feminine quality of the power of surrender, it's like, it's just more subtle in the way that we can see that power rise, no? Mm -hmm. And I think it goes for both men and women to explore more of that. And especially when it comes to intimacy, what the heart longs for can be something entirely different than what the sexual center is longing for. There's no greater way than to learn through love, even if it doesn't work out. Today's guest is Nalaya Shakana. Nalaya is an intimacy coach who teaches people how to freely experience intimacy. She helps people love. And she and I met a couple years ago in the Sacred Valley in Peru. Uh, we stayed in touch over the years, and you know, it's been great following her and seeing her grow. And she actually posted something a few weeks ago, almost two months ago now, that I, I had to speak to her about, which was conscious celibacy. For reasons I go into in the podcast, it resonated with me in that time of my life, which was two months ago. So we had to have a conversation about it. And it was really great speaking with her because uh, she uncovered a lot of things in this conversation that I find personally useful in my own relationship patterns and my own blockages to intimacy. So perhaps if you're having challenges in your relationship or your relationship patterns, this is a good conversation to listen to. Uh, Nalaya also has a course coming out in September. I believe it starts September 19th. The link uh, to that is in the show notes. It's called Dare to Love. It sounds great. It's open to men and women. Um, anyway, this conversation gave me a lot to think about, so I'm going to go think while you listen to this episode. Right now, you're listening to episode 092, Nalaya Shakana, Conscious Celibacy and Daring to Love. The Rwando Podcast is an exploration of the unconscious and the game of life. Be sure to visit Rwando.com to get a preview chapter of my upcoming book, Infinite Play, and free access to my content library. Enjoy the show. All right. It's great to have you here. It's so nice to see you after so many years. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, you're one of the few Instagram people or anything that I really look at. Like I actually have a timer on my Instagram set to five minutes. It turns off my Instagram. So I only look at a few pictures if I log in. And I usually see yours. Um, so yeah, it's, it's nice to, to see you in a more interactive format now. Yeah, thank you. I um, really love your authenticity and just, yeah, thank you for inviting me. You know, like I really feel honored to be part of this creation. Yeah. Um, so the thing that caught my eye recently and why I reached out and why I wanted to speak to you on the podcast is uh, you had a post on conscious celibacy. And it just so happened this was a time that I was thinking about it. I think maybe I'd seen something else somewhere. Um, I, oh, I saw a random article about Orlando Bloom, the actor. And he, he, yeah. uh, he was, he was celibate for six months before he met the love of his life. And like, it was just like all in the same week I saw this and your post and something else. I was like, oh, maybe I should do this. I was thinking about it for myself because I've had some, uh, not great patterns in my relationships come up. 
Um, so I, I would love to hear, I would love to start with that. If you could speak a little bit about that, why you did it, what was the deal? Yeah, sure. Sure. So I'll tell you first about my most recent um, conscious celibacy phase, which was last mm -hmm. year. And then I'll also tell you just a little bit about the first time that I did it. Um, so yeah, I mean, was it last year? It's like a year and a half ago, let's say. And it's exactly what you just mentioned, no? like certain patterns are being revealed of what plays out in, in relationship. And that was the main cause for me to say, okay, let's put this to action. And I know that some people in the yogic tradition would do celibacy, meaning no touching, no nothing. In my context, it actually means doing more tantric practices. I mean, I'm, an, I'm anyway a person who does tantric practices um, with myself which I think is very empowering to, to just deepen the connection that you have to your sexuality and sexual consciousness. And, you know, I see this source as, as ever unfolding and ever, it's just infinite. So when you take a period um, that can be predetermined beforehand, so let's say you say 21 days, which probably would be the minimum, or you say, I don't know, six months, or you say whatever, then somehow there's a, there's a commitment. And it's almost like, your soul or the universe or whatever, you know, it, it conspires to make that a journey and it can be really intense, no? Because what you're doing is, is really allowing your sexual energy to, to be part of, you know, purifying the patterns that you want to purify, as well as it being part of what it is that you're manifesting, no? Because the sexual energy has all of these qualities of magnetism and manifestation and healing as well as pleasure. And they're all kind of swirled together in a phase like that. So what I can say about what happened to me a year ago is that I became really magnetic um, in a way that, yeah, I don't know. It, <laughs> it was. Well, can I say, how did like you choose? Yeah. How did you choose six months? Why, you know? Because I'll be honest, I, I've been thinking about. I think I messaged you about this like six weeks ago or something, and I've yeah. been. Has it, I mean, I've actually been celibate, but not because I'm, I've decided to be. It's kind of just like convenience. Yeah, the yeah. idea of, of committing to any amount of time seems really scary because I feel like, oh, what if I meet someone great? Or what if there's some experience they want to have? Or what if I, yeah, yeah. you know, I, well, well, that's I'm curious. Well, a great question yeah. because it's, it's part of, the, the, it's, it's part of the, the process, no? So, oh, excuse me. I chose six months because I was fed up. <laughs> I was really fed up with what I was seeing. I was just fed up um, with falling in love with the potential. Let's put it that way. Okay. And just not not really being met, no, in in the lust for growth or the lust for expansion within life or the ambition for life. Um, so anyway, I chose. Specific? Um, like you're talking about a relationship yeah, a pattern, of... I assume, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of people that, um, you know, speak the stories of what it is that they think um, they are or want to become or talk about projects that they want to initiate, but then never do it. Or when an issue comes up, like, I think it's really beautiful to have like an authentic um, communication about it and, you know, reflect and see where the projections hidden and where can we take our responsibility and what can we change. But if over time, nothing actually changes and the actions don't follow the the words then there's lack of integrity and there's lack of what i call the lust for growth or or the wanting to actually you know move forward in life and so i was just fed up with that no 
And so those six months were really about loving myself and um, going deep with the understanding of the law of attraction. So the better I feel um, about myself and my projects and what I'm passionate about, the, the, then that will change my vibration and therefore I will attract that. And I did actually attract someone in the midst of, of this celibacy um, period. And that's why it's interesting to share with you because, of course, people think about this before launching themselves into conscious celibacy. But then there's that beauty of, of meeting the other and connecting with them intimately on all levels except uh, sexuality. Or I can't say it like that. It's almost like you'll start discovering new ways of expressing that sexual element. And what I actually really enjoyed about, you know, those months that I was getting to know this other man, he was, you know, definitely attracted to me and made it very obvious. But I was, I was like, no, I'm connecting my heart to my sexuality and it has to be aligned before I open my doors. It was really beautiful because it allowed me to not be blinded by, by the sexual connection. Uh, because sometimes, you know, it's this sensu uh, sensory explosion um that can have an addictive pull no to like not mm -hmm. see the things that you actually do see so it just gives um space to really get to know someone and see their integrity and see how their actions follow up their words and just see the details and see how the trust grows spiritually and emotionally and verbally and psychologically before the body is truly invo involved in that way that was um, that was one of the compelling ideas for me in it. I mean, basically, I recognized in myself that uh, because sex always happens early in my relationships and I enjoy it and I think it's magical, I realized I'm, I'm starting all my relationships on drugs and it's not a good way to start relationships. And um, so it, it's all kind of fit in of like things I was thinking about. Yeah. But yeah, I am still, a, maybe after this, maybe after speaking to you now, I'll actually commit to a time period, but it's still scary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always scary, but then I always think, what is half a year out of a lifetime, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just yeah. fascinating, no? Like we, when we use our own life as an experimentation of like, what happens if I do this? Mm -hmm. So can you say more about like, so what were you doing with your sexual energy when you were speaking in this way? Um, or, uh, you know, you had this time off. Yeah, so when... When we do practices like this um, for an extended period of time, I like working with one intention because it's almost like you deepen your connection to that intention. So an intention can cons consist of two things, no? like what it is that you want to let go and what it is that you want to invite. And so I would say make a different type of ritual for the thing that you want to let go of because otherwise the subject of the intention is what you want to release no mm -hmm. and when you're working with orgasmic energy it's better to focus on the positive so i don't know do a fire ritual or something before you start and every time you do some kind of tantric practice um you 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 set your intention of whatever it is that you want to invite and keep it plain and simple and so what i was actually doing was um tantric breathing and um edging practice and just mm -hmm. seeing how many just in all honesty, like pretty basic tantric practices. Mm -hmm. But I like working with the basics because I, like I just said, I feel there's an infinity like within the sexual realm. And so no matter how complicated we make these practices, actually we can just stick to the basics and just see like with edging, no, like how many cycles can I do? 
and mm-hmm. and and like what happens after one month or two months and what happens to my energy and how can I contain it and how can I not allow this energy to sneakily tempt others either so it it became a really beautiful process of just inviting the orgasmic energy into my body for my own pleasure for my healing for the connection to my intention but then also watching what is this doing to my work to the clients I attract and what is happening in the town that I live you know Mm-hmm. So can you just for those who may not know you're speaking about like a self-pleasure practice where you come close to climax but then mm-hmm. recycle it before that, exactly. that's what you mean right yeah okay um okay so for those who want to understand what edging is it's basically um yeah self-love practice um i mean you could do it with a partner but i'm just explaining it how you would do it with yourself you um raise the energy um in whatever way you would do that usually um however you would stop right before orgasm not too close that it becomes really difficult but close enough that you feel almost like a peak of a wave and then you can squeeze the the mulavanda and breathe up the energy up the spine and down the front of the body but if you're new to like using breath to 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 cycle energy usually what i um what i tell people is just breathe it into the heart to just have that connection with like how can i move energy away from the swadeshana the second chakra and how can i get it into the heart and you know once you get going with understanding like oh i can actually move this energy you can start practicing breathing it up the spine and down the front of the body and so you breathe you relax you open the body and the orgasmic energy will then move in whatever direction or wherever it is needed no within the body and it will expand and then you do another cycle and another cycle and however many cycles you are comfortable with And so when I talked about tantric breathing um this is something that you could do separate no from the edging practice which is basically breathing in and out through the mouth with a relaxed jaw and you make that cycle so up the spine inhaling and down the front of the body exhaling so so you can do that fast you can do that slow and the inhale is connected to the exhale and the exhale is connected to the inhale so it's like a um a cycle of breath but through the mouth so when you do this breathing exercise you're already conscious of like ah yeah here is this microcosmic orbit here is where i breathe up and down the front of the body that when you do it with um you know masturbation or self love practice it just becomes natural like you don't have to think about it hmm, hmm. cool and um i actually i was going to ask you about your background um i met you in peru 4 years ago through a mutual mm-hmm. friend um you studied tantra pretty extensively is that right yeah yeah C- could you run yeah. us through i know it could be a long story but uh, how did you get because you grew up in the netherlands right how did you end up in peru doing the work you're doing okay um yeah well So I was originally born in Holland in the Netherlands and my parents and my ancestors are Dutch as well but I didn't actually grow well I partially grew up in Holland mm-hmm. but with my parents we we moved around a lot no so I grew up in six countries I studied abroad as well 
Um, and so there was, since my childhood, there was like, um, it was just normal for me, like to move around and to feel a calling somewhere and then go and learn a new language and adapt to the culture and explore. And so when university was done, I, I felt the calling to go to India. And this calling came whilst I was finishing university in Canada. And I think it happened because in Canada, I started practicing yoga. I started getting interested in, in Buddhist scriptures and all of these kind of practices. And, and I chose, okay, let's take a giant leap and, and move to India and see what happens. So I passed through Holland just to sell, well, I lived there for one more year and it was almost like an intuitive decision knowing that I wouldn't want to live in Holland. Um, and if you have any questions about <laughs> why that is, because it's a long story as well. Um, I just felt like Holland is part of me and I've really come to, you know, embody it and, and, and give thanks for my heritage and understand, you know, what part of Holland is in me. But I think it's a really mature decision also to see that where do we truly feel at home and to go for that rather than be in a place where we feel pressured to be. Um, so I felt to sell all my stuff and go to India not knowing anything. Like I hadn't done any research about the culture, the religion, what places to visit. I, I knew nothing. All I knew was I had to go and find out. And um, yeah. That, that became five years, no? which was not something I had thought of before I left. It was just um, a sincere calling from the heart. And in the beginning, when I arrived, many things already started shifting. So I don't know if any of your listeners have been to India or you, but it's one of these countries that is just very, very strong in its energy. And it, it can really smack you like, ah, oh, yeah, you're here for this, bam. And so the way that it smacked me was um, I had everything to do with my womb. So I, I stopped bleeding, basically. I didn't have a moon cycle for about a year. And that really put me on a quest. And in that same year, I chose to shave my, he my head after having been to uh, a Vipassana silent meditation retreat. I just really wanted to like release and become simple and live in a hut on the beach without electricity and like get down to basics, but my body started to scream, no, like my, my womb and, and, you know, when the hormones start falling out of balance, it's like a chain effect, like a domino effect. And so from that, my skin got affected. I became, um, you know, I had adrenal fatigue, um, which can have one of the symptoms being, you know, depression. So it was like, tuck, 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 tuck. plus shaving my head was also undoing me from a symbol of, fem of the feminine, uh, of femininity. And whilst living in quite a feminine suppressed country, you know, so it was like everything was coming together. And then I fell in love with a narcissist, which, which was one of the most abusive relationships I've been in. And so here, you know, everything kind of went down, 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 all to basically reveal um, that something within my femininity had always been broken and wanted to be looked at. And so I started healing my hormonal system, going deeper into, you know, my womb and all the wisdom that resides there. And that's essentially what put me on the tantric path because there's all these layers, right, connected to the womb. There's the feminine, there's the biological, there's the hormonal, the sexual, etc. And it took me years, no, to like take all of these layers one by one to explore like what is in alignment, what is out of alignment. 
And funny enough, in that same time that I stopped bleeding, I also started producing menstrual cups, which attracted obviously a lot of communication with women. And that ball got me rolling into starting to create Women's Circle. And then when I, when I healed my hormonal system, I started teaching it. And so this is kind of how my, my path um, unraveled itself. And to answer your question around the Tantra, um, the, the path that I chose is connected to the Siddha tradition, which is a lineage of gurus that is not very well known. And what they practice predominantly is how to use the Tantric and the Kundalini life force energy for healing purposes. Uh, because I know there's a lot of, um, you know, Tantra in, in all kinds of contexts. But for me, considering my sensitivity, how open I was and how lost I was, it was too much for me to step into, let's say, a Tantra school where, you know, there's a lot more focus on sexuality. And then later, I, I fell in love with um, a man who is a Tantric master and who travels around the world teaching. And so I was with him teaching what he teaches and obviously being in relationship with him it was almost like the safest space to go really deep into these practices and from there everything started to um, evolve no but initially I worked with the tantric energy merely for understanding this energy and its power and how to move it for healing purposes within my own life and other people's lives and so the first part of my purpose was dedicated to women everything around the womb and like I said, all of these layers. And then many years later, I just felt, okay, I, I have to open my doors to men. I felt it for all kinds of reasons. Um, also because, you know, after working with women so much, I felt it, it, there's, there's an aspect that needs to be completed in, in, in what, I, what I know or what I pass on. And, you know, sometimes a man needs the guidance of a woman and sometimes a woman needs the guidance of a man. And so um, I, I followed that in, intuition and, you know, basically deleted uh, most of the work that I had accomplished in that eight year cycle, which was a really beautiful sacrifice because from that came something new. And I kept asking myself questions, you know, like, okay, if I now open my doors to men and women, what is the essence that I have seen in these eight years that I worked with women that I really see as my specialty? that somehow stands out even without me having looked to be specializing in this topic, if you know what I mean. And it was definitely intimacy uh, patterns, relationship patterns, um, and ancestry. So this whole journey with me, you know, coming to peace with my roots um, in the Netherlands was, you know, a journey of years to understand, like, you know, the karma that we can carry, the responsibility that weighs us down, the blockages that are simply present in our, in our blood and in our bones and, and how to release that with love whilst still being connected to the ancestors. And then also a specialty in, in, in sexual relationships. So how do past relationships and those experiences influence us um, for the good and the bad? And how can we release those blockages? Because if we've had a great love and then we've lost that great love, Usually it's the, the fear of losing that prevents us from truly opening to a new person. And so when we're not entirely open, when we meet someone, it then causes you to attract that same vibration. And it's kind of like a self-sabotage. And I'm endlessly fascinated about this. And I saw that 
it had been my specialty all along. I had seen the greatest transformations and healing processes specifically in these topics in my retreats here in Peru, but without really focusing too much on it. And so since about two years, when I opened to men, this is really like, okay, this is the heart of my work. Let's go into this more and more and more. Well, I want to I ask you something about what you just said, because something I've been like trying to parse out in my own life, I guess my own patterns is um, I can look back at my relationships and there's maybe ways I could have made it work or not work. But the thing I'm realizing more recently is that my selection process has been maybe not ideal. It's like, what, and I'm not, I don't mean like mentally selecting, this is what I want. I mean, like who I'm drawn to seems to, in retrospect, seems to not be what, what fits my life, you know? And I, you know, so you just said something about um, being closed and attracting something of that vibration. Yeah. Could you say a little bit more about that? Well, can you be a little bit more specific and then I can be yeah. specific? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I just keep, uh, I find myself attracted to people with traits that I also find th that just don't align with me. And I look back and yeah. I wonder why I keep being drawn to this thing in people for some reason uh, when it's just yeah. not compatible uh, in the first um. place. Okay, maybe I can give an example of my own life. Uh, sure. Let's see. Or even yeah. uh, the one that you mentioned earlier, I was curious, I don't know, this maybe is a different one, but um, you're saying something about you're, you're, you're fed up with uh, not yeah. being met for lust of life. I was actually curious what the end of, what was the resolution of that, if there was one? Okay, yeah. So, okay, I'll, I'll intertwine these two examples okay. so that, you know, your listeners, whatever, um, they can probably connect to either or. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same route, but it's projected in, in two different ways. So the one that pushed me into conscious celibacy is more connected to the attachment to being the teacher. So even though I don't want to be the teacher in uh, a partnership, it is something mm -hmm. that I was attracting. Mm. And then the other example that came to me before you mentioned this mm. um, was that I, yeah, I was somehow quite a supportive factor in, in cer certain relationships, even financially, you know? So there were these masculine qualities that came out from me, even though I desired to be met by a man in, in those qualities. So a man who can challenge me uh, with a reflection that I can't see or a man who provides that safety, uh, whether it's financial or not. I think when we have some kind of financial pattern in a relationship, it just amplifies the situation for us to see more clearly, you know, because you, you can't ignore it. And so that's how I saw what was being played out financially, just to, to see that perspective of like, why am I in this power position when apparently there's this longing from within to fall apart, to, um, be held in, in safety and to let go. And, you know, I've traveled the world alone. I have my own business. I can take care of myself, but in a partnership, it's not exactly what I desire. And, and more so, I definitely don't desire to be the person I am in my professional life. And so I, so years ago, I, I, I saw that even though I had this desire of being supported, there was something in me that didn't believe I could be supported by a man. And I mean, it sounds really black and white. Um, obviously, 
but in the intimate realm it's like things just amplify no like for you to see what is present subliminally also in family dynamics or with friendships or clients or whatever right so years ago i i, I saw that if you know from all the relationships i've had i haven't particularly seen that supportive quality in men then i'm basically putting my intention into the great mystery I'm basically putting it into the unknown. And so it requires something like conscious celibacy, working with the same intention, like I, I am supported by the masculine or whatever, you know, like something that amplifies what you are inviting, but you have to continuously work with it to repeat that thought because a belief is nothing more than a repeated thought and to use the sexual energy to start embodying it and then to practice it on, you know, the, the tiniest little details of life like when a man gives a piece of advice to just receive it when someone wants to carry your bags to just let them in the tiniest little details because i see this a lot in women in general where they say they want a man but they reject when this supportive masculine steps up and so to watch yourself in the littlest details of life to then allow the vibration to change and to allow therefore what you attract in the intimate life to also change and then what I said about being the teacher, which is kind of intertwined, no? because it has to do with like not wanting to be in a power position, but somehow I am. And um, that somehow gives me the, the sense that I am in control, but my deepest desire is to lose control. No? Um, which again, I think is a great example because I think a lot of us can see ourselves when we play these tricks of, of how we are in control. And I always say that control is the other uh, spectrum of trust so the more we are in control the the less trust we have and the more we trust the less we need to be in control hmm. and so when i noticed that i was also the teacher in relationships i i needed to start to balance where my attention was going throughout my day or throughout my week and i can get pretty obsessed with my work um, cause I, I love, I love what I do and I love hearing people's love stories and I love, you know, unraveling like the knots of what went wrong in the past and what is it with your father mother connection and how is this, you know, I, I can get obsessed and I can get obsessed with creating new programs and writing new articles. And I, I love it so much. Like that's where so much of my passion goes through. But if I don't balance it enough with, you know, playing music and, um, you know, I always play music. I always do sports. I always hang out with friends, but you can, you can sense when the balance isn't really equal. So if 90% of the time I am in, let's say my wearing my, my work hat, then I'm carrying that vibration and therefore I attract more clients, basically, whether they want to call themselves my beloved or lover, it's, it's the same thing, right? I even see it in my friendships. The more I nourish myself to just enjoy for the sake of enjoyment, to just be with my friends or to just go into nature for no purpose, but to stare at the river, like to balance the being and the doing, to balance the, the feminine and the masculine, to, to balance the nourishing aspect and the um, initiative taker. And so the more I balance that, the more harmony I feel in the way that I am being supported, like in general, by life, by my family, by my friends, and as well as that other aspect of my character that, that seems to be a lot stronger. And then what I attract is, is so much more harmonious. 
Mm. Does that make sense with the yeah, reflection yeah. that you have? You yeah, have? and it's, it's interesting because uh, like some of the patterns I've noticed, uh, well, one had to do with money in a similar way. Another one is also uh -huh. like being a teacher in a sense. But it's, it's interesting because I actually, I like being in those roles. I, and, and I mean, my, I don't know if it's ego or something. I do feel, I do feel like a man. But I did notice that I've been drawn to women where I have to kind of guide them into their femininity. And I was like, I don't actually I, want to do that in a relationship. But it's something... I think I'm still working it out in myself. I think something about it made me feel more special or it, it uh, patched up an insecurity I had about myself and it's really not conducive for real intimacy. But I kept being drawn into those situations. So what, what can be interesting for you to, to dive into maybe in meditation is what, what scares you in being met by a woman? eye to eye, heart to heart. Because this is something that I started to like dive into, you know, like if my greatest desire is to be met by a man who, you know, can, can show me the things I don't want to see sometimes or push me in a direction or challenge me through his character, because I can be pretty stubborn. And I really like that quality in people, you know, and <laughs> to have that in partnership or, you know, whatever you're talking about, feminine essence no so like what would it mean to stand next to a woman who carries herself in her femininity what would that do to you and with me it will be reversed no to like mm -hmm. because i think the teacher element and the supportive element are quite masculine traits mm -hmm. and so of course it makes you feel good because you're a man um and to see like okay so how would that change the aspect of the way that you embody your masculinity when being met by a woman who who embodies her femininity and so what I wanted to add to that is that I, I love this paradox of how fear and desire um, dance around each other because usually our greatest desire is also met by our greatest fear. So even though we say we want a partner for life or we want to go deeper into intimacy than what we've experienced before, it has to be met by some kind of resistance or some kind of fear that is blocking it because otherwise the desire and achieving it, attaining it wouldn't be as valuable or as satisfying. Mm. So it's almost like we have to penetrate some layer of, of fear in order to accomplish that desire. Otherwise we can just snap our fingers and say, Oh yeah, I want this duck. You see yeah. what I mean? And so it's interesting to see like, okay, it hasn't happened yet. There's some kind of self-sabotaging aspect. And what is it within the paradox of these two elements dancing around each other that you haven't yet allowed yourself to penetrate through? Yeah, I mean, I, I can answer it now. It's like I, I do fear not being mad enough or not being able to match someone to that polarity. You know, um, I don't think about that often, but I realize maybe I've been putting myself in situations where I'm playing on easy mode. Or, or the bar is lower, um, or I can get the, the validation quicker. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's interesting to think about. Validation and to provide, no? which is also like a caveman instinctual aspect of the man. And, and I mean, if I can talk from the woman perspective, um, I mean, I'm good in surrender. I'm good in expressing my femininity. Um, but there's a different power that is expressed within those realms than the obvious masculine traits, no? And I just wanted to amplify on this because I, I know men and women, whoever is listening to this podcast, it's like, 
in general in the world. No, it's like the masculine traits of power and strength are so much more um, um, recognized mm -hmm. by by the world. And so when there's that feminine quality of the power of surrender, it's like, yeah, it's just more subtle in the way that we can see that power rise. No. And I think it goes for both men and women to explore more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I jotted a note. I wanted to ask you if you could flush out more about aligning with the heart. Um, can I, I don't know if it could be put into words more specifically, but you, you mentioned like aligning your intention with your heart. Like what, what does that mean to you or what did it look like? How did you know that you're moving towards that? Yeah, I love that question. So, you know, in the in the Taoist tradition, you have these three Dantian points. So one is below the navel, one is in the heart, and one is in the third eye. And I like seeing them as individual, interconnected centers of intuition. So it's it's like these three points speak with their own tone of voice. And when they're fully aligned, um, the intuition amplifies in its in its totality, you know. And sometimes when I hear these, you know, spiritual descriptions, it all seems like, I don't know, we're talking about enlightenment and nobody really knows what we're saying. You know what I mean? It's like all these cool words describing it. So I, I like breaking everything down into like tangible, bite-sized things. So usually thinking about the third eye, because it's located in the brain center, it becomes too difficult to kind of distinguish like, you know, when is the thought overlapping what I think is my intuition? So I, I like putting the, the energy down into the body. So what remains is the heart center and the, and the Svarishtana center, the, the, uh, the second chakra. And when you just look at these two, it's like, they have such a different way of speaking. And especially when it comes to um, intimacy, what the heart longs for can be something entirely different than what the sexual center is longing for. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, to relate it to this uh, period of conscious celibacy, I kept checking in, no? Like, what is my, my um, sacral chakra say saying? And what is my heart chakra saying? And... Um, to feel like when are they in alignment and when are they not. Um, so the desires are often very different. And my goal was to have the desires of these two centers speak the same language. And so as you know, in, in tantric tradition, it's also these two centers are seen as um, almost like batteries, no? like the plus is in the female hearts, the plus is in, in the genitals for the male body. Um, and the minus is in the male heart and the minus is in the genital area for the woman. And so when we come together, it's like a cycle that we can create, like batteries charging each other. Um, and so recognizing that, recognizing, you know, the shape of your body, regardless if your listeners are heterosexual or, or gay or bi or, you know, it doesn't actually matter. What matters is how your body is shaped and how therefore the energy operates and therefore what is needed in order for you to connect with someone. So sometimes they say that a woman needs to open emotionally to open sexually and a man needs to open sexually in order to open emotionally. Mm -hmm. And that's the joke of it all, no? like how to dance with these polarities, especially when we're creating a, 
a ground to stand on with a potential partner. And so aligning the intention just starts with almost charging that battery cycle just within yourself without needing another body. And to feel that alignment and to feel that interconnection and to feel how my heart can open my sex center and how my sex center can open my heart. Hmm. Great. Um, uh, sorry, I was just I was just thinking about the circuits and I kind of uh, lost track of my next question. Um, no, tell me. Yeah, no, it's just like a lot to think about. I. What did you feel? How did you feel your sex drive changed throughout this period, if at all? Um, yeah, it was really electrifying. I mean, anyway, I'm a person with quite a high sex drive. And um, whether I, I dedicate myself to these periods of, you know, tantric practices, I can have moments in life. I see them kind of like chapters where it's almost like this wave of sexual energy comes to guide me. But that time last year, I was just provoking it almost, no? like I was activating it. Mm-hmm. And what happens in these moments, whether it's consciously intended or not, it just, it demands me to sink into the trust of another layer of this infinite energy being revealed and how it's guiding me. So it was quite overwhelming, to be honest, at times. Um, yeah, so it's just something to be aware of, no? Like if you want to experiment with this, I mean, you, I trust 100%, no? I think you're going to have a lot of fun. And then as for your listeners, um, I feel like if you're new to this, just keep checking in with yourself, no? Because it is a very temptational energy. So how to carry yourself when you go to the market to buy your fruits and how to interact with the magnetism that you do cause, even if you try to secure your energy, you know, to not allow it to affect too much. People consciously, unconsciously, they tap into it. And so I even had friendships, no, like um, brothers who've been in my life for a long time, suddenly come out with this, you know, attraction. And it was actually a really beautiful um, interaction that kept on happening where um, you know, the attraction was discussed and, you know, to have that open space of transparency without the attraction needing to go anywhere. And, and this I really like, no, of, of just almost like piercing the balloon because the more air we blow into the balloon, it might actually pop in the, you know, when you resist the temptation, it actually becomes more attractive. Whereas if we just allow the attraction to exist and talk about it, we just remove the tension, we re- remove, you know, whatever, whatever that energy is creating. And as for myself, I just felt more energized. I felt more productive. I felt more magnetic um, also in my work. No? So it's just like, where are you directing this energy towards? But you will get tempted. And you will get tempted for the wrong reasons because the attraction that I felt predominantly throughout that period was coming definitely from my sexuality and not from my heart. Mm-hmm. When and did just you to be feel aware. a shift or if, like, what, did, what was it like? I, I mean, I'm thinking now, I think this is where it went in my head. Like, I don't know if I really know or if as an adult have felt that not for my second chakra. I mean, I would have mm-hmm. to think about it, but like, how did you know it shifted or when did it becomes stronger up top. Yeah, sure. Um, so it was with this person that I, that I mentioned who was really into me and he made it really obvious. And then 
I, I actually ignored most of it. It was almost like I couldn't receive the authenticity of the attraction that he expressed. I thought he was just one of the others that was attracted for superficial reasons or whatever. No, so I, I had little interest in communicating with him on that attraction level. I did have interest in, in all the other levels to get to know him. <clears throat> and because I was dedicated to this uh, conscious celibacy, it allowed me, like I said, for time to pass. So I'm talking about months in which, you know, time was spent together. I saw how he managed his own life. I saw how he managed even different challenges that came up between us. And then suddenly it was almost like something popped within me, recognizing the respect that I'd seen in him, the integrity that I'd seen in him, the honesty, the transparency. And so these core values that I honor so much, and you know, it's these core values that I feel like people fuck around with too much. It's like everyone likes saying these words of being an in integrity or being honest, but we can only see it play out when time passes. And so I allowed time to pass and I wasn't even looking for anything in this person. I actually was needing to release some of the the judgments I had, no, because he was a city boy, he knew nothing of this world that I'm from. It almost seems like everything that I touched upon was new to him. And yet, if I were really honest, there was a connection within him and his intuition or how he was connected that seemed more sincere than what I sometimes see, you know, here in the Sacred Valley in Peru of everyone being on the medicine path. No, it's like sometimes there is a lack of authenticity. And so that's what happened after three months, like something popped open in my heart to just recognize the core values that I value so much in life, I'd actually seen in him. And I mean, to make a long story short, the joke is, and you know, we have to trust in these things, no? The joke is that the moment I actually opened up to this person, he moved away. He moved to another place. And it, it, it was interesting. We had a small moment of connection. It was really beautiful. Um, but life in the universe had, had decided for this particular timing, which obviously in the beginning we both resisted. It was like, what, what is this? And it was work related. No. And I mean, we're always in charge of whether we choose to take the offer or not. Um, so that depends on our own, you know, wants and needs and priorities mainly. And he chose his work as his priority, you know, and, and it was clear that that's where he was at in his life. And we have to trust in, in the right timing. We have to trust in what people come to teach us, even if it wasn't meant for a relationship. This person taught me so much, like around this connection between the heart and, and sexuality. And so, yeah, that ended. And I think by the time he came back to the valley, it was almost like, yeah, that ship sailed. You know, sometimes there is an accuracy in the moment. And I specifically want to mention this, this as well, because I'm the type of person to jump for love. No, like I've actually immigrated for love multiple times in my life. And it's such a beautiful thing to take a risk, the risk of leaving the house you live in or the risk of changing your job or the risk of whatever, just to see what love can bring you, because I believe there's no greater way than to learn through love, even if it doesn't work out. It's always worth it, no? And so anyway, he chose differently, and that also showed me a deeper layer of um, perhaps the lack of courage um, or the lack of feeling that he truly deserved the thing that he wanted most, which is also something that he expressed to me, no? 
and that's the dynamic of the fear and the desire meeting each other you know it's like oh now here it is um you know presented on a golden plate would you take it or would you allow your fear to overtake you and so anyway that was the journey of me seeing really consciously the dynamic of like what does it take and perhaps this is for a woman no like to see that trust or to feel that trust in the heart in order for that alignment to exist between the heart and the body as opposed to using the body to allow the heart to open. It's been a year since your conscious celibacy period. Is that right? Since it ended. Yeah. 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 How has this year been? <sighs> yeah. Really beautiful and really liberating. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the thing that's made it interesting is this factor of the corona, of course. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, here in Peru, we've had really strict, um, really strict quarantine for many, many months. Then we had a small period of freedom in which the government decided to have domestic flights be open. So the virus was literally mm. brought to the Sacred Valley, even though we didn't have it before that. Oh, no. So now we actually have the virus and everything is closed again, no? And in this period of five months, I've seen so many people leave, no? It's like, wow, it's just fascinating because obviously I'm location independent. I can choose whether I'm here or elsewhere. And I, I choose to be here because it gives me the, the inspiration and the location that I need to just go deep in, into my creations. However, many people have needed to leave, no? Because there's many therapists here, there's many people who need travelers or tourism to thrive, or people working with medicine, of course. And so it was like, everything started to like, you know, um, become emptier and emptier. And it's really touched me on a deep level. And yet, a few months ago, uh, it, uh, I, I don't know, I was just in such a good place. And it's interesting when you work with the law of attraction so much that, you know, sometimes when you focus too much on your great intention, then you're actually repelling it because it's almost like with your, your intention, you're creating a tunnel vision, if you know what I mean. It's like, this is what I want. But then if the universe comes with all these other opportunities, you're not even able to respond to it or see it because, because you're so fixated. And so this is one of the things that I needed to like break a little bit for myself of this like, um, you know, I only want to go deep with a beloved. Like that's my greatest desire to go way deep and really authentic and really transparent and to just, you know, unravel these layers of intimacy and, and have fun and love and see where the barriers against love are hidden and to softly break them, no? And that's my great desire to like really go deep with a partner and to walk my path with my partner. And yet a few months ago throughout this freaking quarantine, a part of me was just like, relax, you know, the universe knows, like I don't have to freaking keep repeating myself. Like it's clear. And for the last so many years, I've, I've only had relationships, no? Like I haven't really had lovers. The only lovers I've had, was to see if we could enter a relationship 
So when you have a lover of that kind, it, it already comes with a different energy, right? So I mean, I'm talking about years of not being interested in, in, in a lover. And then something broke open. It was almost like, you know, an aspect of my younger self of, you know, when I was in the beginning of my 20s, just came of this like innocence, curious, mixed with maturity of like, okay, why not invite a lover? And so I did. I made a prayer for a lover and I invited a lover. And it's been such an incredible teaching of what it means to be really present in the moment. And from the beginning, there has not once been any thought about where is this going? How long is this lasting? Or the joke has actually been that, you know, there's a beautiful connection. It's light. It's respectful. It's, it's amazing. And yet it's not a person that I feel I want to be in a relationship with. And so in a way I could say that my expectations were really low, um, that I have been multiple times surprised by aspects of his character coming out. And I specifically want to mention this because I feel that often when we meet someone, even if we see him or her as a lover that perhaps, you know, it, it may or may not be unfolding into a proper relationship, we come with, um, you know, seeing the potential in a person, wanting them to whatever, to make ourselves feel better or certain expectations no, of like how they move in life. And, and then we get disappointed and then we blame the other and then we project our wounds onto them or then we feel like they're not good enough or we're not good enough or whatever, no? Whereas this encounter has been so present and in the moment and, and it's, it's something that cannot be faked, no? Of like, what does it mean to really be present with someone without them needing to be one bit different? And the, the way that I was able to, or am able to speak to him quite bluntly at times, to just give a reflection of like, I see this, bam, because there's no fear in losing this person, because I can't lose anything. I can only win whatever moments we choose to be together. And it's that level of authenticity that, again, I sometimes see is lacking in relationship because there is this underlying fear of losing whatever you have established with that person. And yet we want that authenticity because it is part of the way that we can authentically and deeply love and connect. So it's like we create these self-sabotaging things. We say we want one thing, but then we don't actually do it. Right. And so even though this person, you know, has to leave pretty soon and, you know, this is the end of this chapter, I, I feel really filled by just the courage of consciously stepping into, okay, you know, um, I'm allowed to have fun and I pray for lightness and, you know, there's barely any people left in the sacred valley so I can <laughs> pray for <laughs> like, the of, you know, the beloved being out here. I just want to be realistic about that. And it, is, it has been a really beautiful chapter in my life to just say, okay, let's have fun. And let's see what, what it means to be really present and really authentic and to not feel there's anything to lose. It's, it's been quite incredible, actually. That's beautiful. Yeah, the, the end of the world relationship, I think, has uh, helped a lot of people <laughs> become more present or try things they wouldn't. Um, great. Do you think you're going to stay in the Sacred Valley for a while? I know I invited I you to live in my house that I just left, but <laughs> I, maybe that's unrealistic as well. 
No, no, if I could come to Thailand, I would. I can use some humidity. Yeah, and coconuts. It's good for the hair. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I just bought some new gear. I want to record a few courses. Oh, actually, I have some questions for you. Oh, sure. And, and I just feel like most of my best friends have left. I, it has really touched my heart now. And there's a few good friends still left. And, you know, there's always um, opportunity for, you know, socializing and whatnot. However, I see a particular shift happening. Mm -hmm. And in my heart, I just feel like, bueno, if, if I need to focus these coming months on creation, I'm going to do it because I feel inspired. And then by the end of the year, I'm going to analyze um, because, yeah, if I can go somewhere in the beginning of uh, the new year of 2021, I will. Um, and I mean, can, looking at what's happening to, to Peru, I, I reckon the only plane I can really take is to Amsterdam. Hmm. And so let's see where it goes from there. Uh, for now, I just want to create and then, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get to Spain in, uh, in March, but we'll see. I was going to go to Spain. Okay. And, yeah, we'll see. I, I make plans and if there's any lesson I got this year, is don't get attached to my plans, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel the same. Yeah. So that's funny because yeah. the 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 only vision that has stayed with me over these last few months is making a base in Barcelona, and mm. um, so that I can be close to my family in Holland, mm. um, you know, and see other friends that I love. But I I love speaking Spanish. I love being in a in a Latino country, and so it just felt like okay, um, maybe that can be an interesting option. And there's something in me. Because I lived five years in India, five years in South America. Something right now wants a little bit of modern life. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like, I want a city. I want to go to concerts. I want to take dance classes. Like, <laughs> you know, the things that aren't here. Yeah. I, I, yes, before, yes. before it became impossible to travel, I was looking at places like near the Pyrenees in France or Spain, where I could be like an hour outside of a city. My plan is to yeah. build tiny houses in the mountains. That's what I want to do. But we'll oh, see. nice. Yeah. Perhaps we'll be neighbors. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you have a course. Oh, sorry, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> we, we eat tapas and we go salsa dancing. Great. I would love to. Let's do it. 2021. <laughs> um, you have uh, a course coming out soon, Dare to Love, right? Yeah. So, Dare to Love is, is um, it's going to be the, the second time that I launch it. So the first time was um, in April. And it's basically an, an eight-week live course, which means every Saturday we have a live um, class with 12 people from all over the world. Uh, 12 is the maximum because I like to keep it intimate. No? And Dare to Love is literally around shedding patterns related to ex-partners experiences in relationships and ancestral clearing and whatever shadows we carry that are blocking us from opening our heart so the first four weeks are diving into the heart of darkness and then mm. the latter four weeks are um diving into the light no awakening a new light so it's it's about trusting in a new vision taking inspired action and and what it requires to to really create and be the creator of your own reality. 
So it's four weeks of darkness, four weeks of lights, and we start on the 19th of September. And it has been one of the most incredible journeys I've, I've made with a group of people. Mm. Um, it's interesting because usually I do physical retreats on an annual basis. And intuitively, I felt I didn't want to do one in 2020. I didn't know why. I even got emails from people oh, yeah. asking me about my dates, like, when are you doing your retreat? And I just, in my body, I couldn't feel it. I was like, I don't know why, but I think I'm going to skip 2020. And so I, I launched I think you sent me a voice note about that. I think asking about something in like December or January. I don't remember. Say, so, yeah, it just, it just, I just remembered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and so it, it worked out perfect. And it was interesting because here in Peru, I think my course started a week after we entered quarantine. So mm -hmm. it was like, the ability to connect with others going into a deep process for eight weeks and you know the way that i teach is really like okay let's go deep into the elements that we're touching upon this week but then it's through practice no it's practical exercises um, and i like mixing tantric practices with shamanic practices so it's going to be rituals and tantra and exploration of psychology and sexuality and emotionally and spiritually and wait, excuse me and seeing how these um how these layers of existence where the blockages are hidden and what needs to be brought into alignment and so compartment compartmentalizing how you say this compartmentalizing <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh the darkness from the light gives a really clear perspective of of how they are interconnected and, and what was preventing you from really um, opening up again, no, from the heart. Because people say they want an authentic relationship, but we self-sabotage in all kinds of ways. And it's open so, yeah, for men I, and women? Op open for men and women, see. Cool, awesome. And you said this uh, September 19th, right? See, awesome. there's a lot. Cool. I'll have send a you the link. To that. Cool. Uh, well, I'm so glad we got to speak. I just want to say, I, I think I've told, I actually think I might've told you this uh, at the end of last year randomly, but I think you've been getting more radiant and beautiful since I've met you. And it's been really lovely to watch and I'm glad we got to speak today. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, honestly, I, I really love that we're still in, in contact and I can remember the, the moment that we sat in that cafe chatting I think it was even about a potential of maybe doing something together. We recorded a and video about nutrition, I think. Ah, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. And I remember, it's just interesting because I've seen your evolution as well. And I see both of us hold something in this curiosity, you know, like to explore. Like I love your, your inquisitiveness, your curiosity and, and your realness in the way that you share from your own life perspective and yet teach simultaneously and always remain authentic in what you know or what you don't know. And, and this I find is a rare combination. Like many people who teach online, they want to present themselves as the ideal, no? And, and with you, I really see this, this beauty of authenticity and I, I really honor it and cherish thank it you. and love it and thank you. thank you. Hey, before we end, can I ask sure. you one question? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the projects that I'm working on for next year is actually making a membership site um, where there's going to be access to all kinds of courses. And so the one course that I'm focusing on right now, I mean, I'm going to take a year to make it, but I'm interviewing men and women to see. This course is for men and it's mm -hmm. probably going to be called what women want. 
because I've worked so deeply with women, I feel like I'm, I hold so much information that I just want to pass on to men because women are very complex. No, they're like these mysterious godly beings that are very difficult to figure out. And so what I'm doing is asking women what they think they want to pass on to men, what the course mm -hmm. should possess. But I'm also asking men, like, what has been your greatest blockage when, you know, navigating a relationship with a woman? Like, what is the essence that you feel this course should possess? Or like the blockage that you've encountered that you would like to understand better? Mm -hmm. uh, so you want me to answer that? Me. <laughs> uh, okay, hold on, let me think. Um, so did you want this recorded or you just want to talk or should? <laughs> I want this recorded. <laughs> okay, great, all right, great, all right. I have to think for a second. Um, biggest blockages, uh, I can think of certain clients. Well, there's different, there's different groups of men that I speak to, I think in different stages. There's like uh, connecting with women in the first place is one category. And I, I don't know if that would be relevant for your course as well, but that's like a third to a half of the men I speak to. And actually more and more, I think maybe because, maybe because I'm just older now, more of the men I work with are married or they are in serious relationships and whatnot. And I think a lot of it is dealing with their own personal triggers and their, their ability to be secure in the face yeah, of, um, what's the word, not crisis, uh, discomfort or challenge. See, yeah. I mean, all of my work is, is very much focused mostly on singles, no? And these courses are specifically directed at the phase of establishing some kind of foundation when you are attracted. So I call it like the delicacy of attraction. It's like it's fragile and it's powerful and it's not yet like it doesn't yet have the form of a relationship, but you're setting the foundation. And that phase is so important that if we have pre-knowledge of like as a man, how to address a woman how to remain in the center or how to navigate her waves of emotion or blah, 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 blah. No, when we have these tricks, it just allows certain foundations of the potential of a relationship to be established more securely. Because often when we establish a foundation, that's where the relationship stands on. And then over time, it can be the cause for it not lasting, or it can be the cause for certain patterns just amplifying as opposed to being, um, cleared from the right from the start you know so I like what you say in approaching women I think you're right like there's either this obvious sort of I'm totally into you energy that can also be repelling or it's men who are usually very beautiful in their character finding it difficult to really remain in that authenticity when meeting a beautiful woman no? yeah I think How a lot of that. people I think women don't realize how many men uh, there's like a group of there's like a type of man that i think is very prevalent where you look at him and you're like oh he's pretty attractive he probably dates a lot he's probably he's probably maybe he's a jerk maybe he's not but like there's all these men who are good guys but for some reason they always disqualify themselves and um i think that's a it's an interesting challenge because it's not like they need to learn more skills or they need to learn even attention or anything like that it's um I think it's like, it's a group that most people don't realize exists in society. And we all know guys like this who just disqualify themselves or are afraid of the initial interaction. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's relevant as well, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it has to do with worthiness and recognizing 
the uniqueness, no? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, yeah, I think there's also a lot of women out there who are just done with being fooled by the one that does have this fake confidence to mm -hmm. attract or to make conversation. Like, I think there's conscious women also being able to pierce through that and to, to look for an essence rather than an appearance, right? So the complementary course that I'm going to create, so one is, it's, it's going to be very much focused on like the emotional and the sexual interaction between men and women for men to have a better understanding of that. Um, so, so what does it require to, 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 to listen to the subtle flow of the, the sexual energy of a female because it's, it's very different, no? and especially when we're getting to know someone, it's like how to listen to the female body um, because it, I reckon, I mean, what I understand is like, you know, for a man to have another partner, it's like sometimes it's it's a world of a difference, no? Like the yoni or the way that the body, body responds for a woman. So how to listen and not use the tricks that you've learned in the, in the past. Mm -hmm. But then also the emotional connection. So what does a woman need to feel safe? Like in a way, it all comes down to safety, no? It's like that security. And like you say, for a man to have that confidence, in knowing that he can listen um, to the energies and, you know, how to create that space with his presence. And then the complementary course is going to be for women about sexual embodiment, because a lot of women have not yet fully connected to their bodies. And there is an empowerment that exists within a woman knowing her sexual energy, whether she chooses to share it or not. No? But when a woman knows her own sexuality, it empowers her to be more clear in knowing her direction in life, mm -hmm. to be discerning in what deserves her attention. And she's able to communicate more clearly. Yeah. It's, so actually, it's very refreshing for a man to be with a woman who knows what she wants. Cause then there's no, there's no grayness or blurriness around consent or it's like, it's like clearer feedback and clear signals. And it, it put, makes it a lot easier on the man to be with a woman like that. Exactly. And what I understand, you know, talking to men and women both, it's like sometimes women don't know. And so they don't actually like what is being offered, but they don't know how to say it because they don't really know what it is that they do want. And so that's when certain mixtures and strange dynamics start to occur in like giving into something that isn't fully what they want, you know, mm -hmm. but then wanting to connect with the person, but not really being clear of what it is that the body is desiring. So that course for women is going to be um, around the connection between the throat and the yoni, you know, like how, because even anatomically, they're very similar, like the jaw mm -hmm. and the pelvis, the yoni and the throats, and obviously it being two mouths. So it's like how to open sexually to be more free in the expression mm -hmm. and vice versa. Cool. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah a lot <laughs> of my, um, my training, they, it was more female focused, but they did a lot with the throat and like um, how uh, vocalizing can really open up the anatomy down below and, and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Anyway, well, I look forward to that. It sounds like you're in a creation mode right now. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Nice. And actually I also want to make a podcast. You should. I'm, I'm going to allow that to marinate and you will probably be the, one of my first uh, people I want to interview. Cool. Awesome. That'd be great. I'd love to. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank I'm, I'm so, so glad we got to connect today. Yeah, me too. Okay. okay we'll be in touch. Yeah. Bye. Mucho amor.